What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murders. everybody to another episode of Speaking of Murders and welcome to the new listeners. Before we get started on today's episode, a little bit of business. We have another show, Speaking of Missing Persons. Make sure you're going and checking that out. If you have a case that you want to hear on the show, send it to our email, speakingofmurders at gmail.com. And if you want to see photos associated with today's episode, check out our Instagram. That's linked in our show notes and episode notes. If you would like to support the show, there's two ways that you can do that. You can Share the show with someone you know. Share with a family member, a friend, a co-worker, whoever. Share an episode, share the show. That really helps us get out to more people. And uh, if you want to go a step further than that, we have a Patreon. That's linked in the show notes and episode notes also. And we're putting out bonus episodes there every other weekend, so you get access to those, and you'll get a shout-out on the show and uh, our eternal gratitude. So all of that stuff said, Sarah's going to be telling our story today. And Sarah, what case are we hearing today? Who are we talking about? Well, we're going to attempt to do Brett Ryan again. All right. Yeah, this is this is the episode that we lost due to technical difficulties. We're we're bringing it back. It was a good damn episode. We're yeah. going to try again cuz this is a case Bobby's asked for a couple times. Yeah, this is one that I've been wanting to hear on the show since we started the show. And now you're going to hear it for the second time, Bobby. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> here you tell it for the second time. I have researched this story a lot. Well, let's go, because I was interested the first time. I'm going to be interested the second. Okay. Brett Ryan is from Toronto, Canada. Okay. He was described to have a sweet face. With creases from his big, giant smile, he had deep-set dimples that made his cheeks puff out when he posed for pictures. Kind of like me and Samantha have, have, like, permanent indentions in my face. It was said he had eyes that were intelligent and warm, and he was generous and made friends easily. He volunteered with kids at a place called Sidekicks. And he refereed for Little League games at the local community center. Sounds, sounds dreamy. Like great guy, right? Mm. He sounds like a nice, handsome man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in 2007, when he was 26 years old, he was in about $60,000 worth of debt and living with his family. That's All a good right. place to be. Living with the family? Or in $60,000 in debt. Yeah. I mean, yes, blanket <laughs> statement. Yes, all of them, <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> I can relate to one. Kinda. He was staying in a large detached house on their property. Okay, I don't know so why he got this house instead of one of his older brothers, but he was given the detached house. 
Didn't we decide that that's a mother-in-law suite? Yeah. So it's just called an in-law suite. Oh, yeah. is it? Yeah, it's not specific to mother-in-laws. I mean, I've only ever heard it referred to does as it, a mother-in-law suite. Does it still count as living with your parents if you're in a different house? If you have your own kitchen, then no. I feel like if you were paying your own bills for that house, then no. But he was not. They were still paying for his electric and groceries and all of those things. Okay. So, to me, you're technically still living with your parents. I mean, was it a full-blown house, or was it just a room above a they detached garage? They make it sound garage? like it was a house. Like, it was an actual okay. guest I would, house. I would say that it's about half and half, because, I mean, technically speaking, you have your own kitchen, you're living alone. <laughs> but, I get Sarah's point, too. He's not paying bills for that live-alone You kitchen. know how if you lived in a big house and you had a guest house on the property, you're still paying the bills for that house. It's all connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much what's happening. He's not paying for anything to live there. I got you. So this property was on Conference Boulevard near the Rough River that separates Scarborough from Pickering. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. all know where that is. Have yep. no clue. I know exactly. I hang out where there is. regularly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Old stomping grounds. Even though he was always smiling and very polite, this was not the life he wanted for himself. He did not want to be living off of his parents. What? Not going to lie. He seems if he's gonna if you're gonna live off your parents, it seems like he has the perfect situation to do so. I mean, technically. He tried to attend college at U of T, but he could not handle it and he dropped out. I don't know how long he attended that time, but he got a summer job as a house painter, which turned into a full time job once he dropped out of college. I mean it's not a bad job. House painting? No. I like watching people do it on TikTok. They're so fast at painting houses. It's insane. (laughs) To everyone around him, he was happy. But in reality, he was getting desperate. All of his friends were getting an education and would, you know, eventually go off and get good paying jobs and have nice cars while he was driving around in an old Dodge Dakota painting houses every day. I don't really see the problem with that, though. It's, That's what I'm I saying. I don't see the problem with it either. It's honest work. It, yeah. His life doesn't seem that bad. No. Other than the debt portion. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, like, it's not that bad. Who doesn't have a little bit of debt? Shush. Bobby. Shush. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah, but... I'm just saying, he just got, he just dropped out of college, like, that's expected, though. Yeah, because at this point, we don't know if his debt is from school or from just overspending. Right, and either way, I don't know, you still ain't paying bills. (laughs) Painters make decent money. They do. I don't know about in 2007, but. I still feel like they would have, though. I mean, it's a trade. Trade jobs in general. Usually pay decent. Yeah, yeah. they pay decent money. It's not astronomical. You're not going to be a a millionaire in five years, but 
I just you're think not going to go hungry either. I think his problem was is that maybe he was surrounded by friends who had lots of money and could buy like these expensive clothes and sunglasses and go to fancy restaurants. And so I feel like that was a big thing is like gotcha. he was seeing like all these people around him just throwing money around so and he didn't to have live, that. Live above his means. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. And I understand that and all but if he would have taken the step back out of his life and viewed his life it wasn't that bad he really didn't sound like he had a bad life at all Uh debt or no debt hindsight's 2020 shauna to him his life was going nowhere and was not what he wanted it to be and he decided that the only way to fix his life was to get some money so on october 20th 2007 he robbed his first bank. You know That's what? the way to do it. Getting money would also fix my life. <laughs> if his first bank implies multiple banks? Yes. It was a CIBC bank at 371 Old Kingston Road. This bank was located just eight minutes from his house. He had wrapped his face with bandages, put a sling on his arm, and walked into the bank carrying a stack of papers. Mm, You know what they say, right? You keep your friends close, but the bank you're robbing closer. (laughs) I liked it. (laughs) I will do so. Once he made it to the counter, he handed the teller a piece of paper from his stack. It said he had a gun hidden in his sling and that he wanted $2,000 or more. The teller did what the paper said, except all they had at their counter was $1,115. He should have kept a paper with with him that just said, bang, bang, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucked up. I still, I'm, I'm still hung up on the fact that it was like two thousand or whatever or, or the you best have. you can do, you know, please. <laughs> that, yeah. that's if it's what more I'm than t- if you have more than two, just give me the two. I don't need <laughs> past that. Two thousand is all I need. That's why he needed the piece of paper that said bang bang bitch. He didn't get the money he asked for. <laughs> just slide that across the counter. <laughs> that's the gun in his oh, sling. Oh shit. <laughs> One of those little red flags pops out of the sling. Bang. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So even though he didn't get, you know, the $2,000 or more, he was just as excited because he got away with robbing a bank. Like, I mean, it sounds thrilling. (laughs) Yeah, lots of fun. (laughs) I'm just saying, it could be an adrenaline rush. Oh, I don't doubt that. Please don't encourage people to rob banks. No, don't go rob banks. It's a terrible idea. I wasn't saying to rob a bank. I was explaining his feelings. The only high dollar robber I've ever heard of ever getting away was D.B. Cooper, and he jumped out of a goddamn plane. So Brett Hook was hooked at this point. So he would spend the next eight months robbing a total of 12 banks... Along the 401 highway. All for 2000 apiece? Well. <laughs> fuck <laughs> drugs, rob banks. That's basically what this dude said. Don't rob banks. In Don't total, do drugs. <laughs> in total, he got $28,000. So not even like half of what he was in debt for, honestly. But if you average it out, 
at least some of them gave him over two thousand. Yeah, yeah, out of twelve banks, and he walked away with twenty eight thousand. Okay. Yep. And did he pay off his debt? No. Please? No. Okay. No, he didn't. He went and you know bought like thousand dollar jeans and fancy sunglasses and crazy jewelry and of course he did ate at fancy restaurants. That's the logic that will drive you to rob a bank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can have $1,000 pants. I would have bought a new Toyota Camry. <laughs> <laughs> this denim is way better than regular denim. I need to rob a bank so I can give these people $1,000. Is it $1, laced $1. with gold? Why don't you just steal the jeans if you're that hard up for fancy you clothes? You know what, though? Bobby's got the right idea. <laughs> I'm not condoning <laughs> theft. By any means, I'm just saying if it's between robbing a bank or walking out of a clothing <laughs> store with a, with a pair of jeans. I mean, you'll probably get less time for the jeans. I don't know. I mean, thousand dollar pair of jeans better be cooking me a meal too. Yeah, I, I don't like even want to spend fifteen denim. bucks on a pair. I don't. Of jeans. Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> spending fifteen dollars on a pair of jeans. I'm like, you this got is me highway f- robbery. <laughs> you got me fucked up, bitch. <laughs> they you have got to be pre-worn up. jeans. The thighs are just going to rip out in a month anyway. Exactly. I'm going to get a hole where my ass bone meets the pocket. (laughs) Y'all got problems. I've had all my pants for like years. Nope, I'd literally get a hole where my freaking ass bone sticks out. I I think I have jeans that... I've had for 10 years. Well, you know what? Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I have sweatpants. I also have years. jeans that I've had for probably that long, but I don't fit any of them anymore. I just oh, I have can them. still wear them. He just keeps them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I it's encouragement. They're like collector's items. And I, I it's tell encouragement. Them, I tell myself that I will fit them again someday. That's what I'm saying. It's Probably when I'm elderly and <laughs> can't eat solid foods anymore. I'll drop a bunch of weight, and I'll fit those American Eagle jeans <laughs> from my teen years. <laughs> oh, my. All right, guys. You're Go killing on. me. Go on. Some fucking pants. I'm just saying. The expensive sunglasses is what really gets me, though. Because I'm just saying that there's extra steps here. He's robbing a bank so he can go pay these businesses for their products when he could just go take the fucking product. Does, um, yeah. Definitely, and buying expensive sunglasses is kind of ridiculous because they're plastic, and ninety six percent of the time you're going to lose get Bobby them. Started on expensive glasses or break them because he will spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on sunglasses. Oakleys so. are for real worth it. Anyway, what kept Brett from getting caught robbing these banks was the fact that he had never been in trouble before. He'd never been arrested. So even though he left behind fingerprints and evidence, there was no one to match any of this to in their system. So they had to resort to, like, you know, old-school police work where they sent 25 officers to sit outside of banks all along the 401 for, like, three weeks trying to catch him. They're doing a damn fine job. (laughs) After his second bank robbery, he changed his disguise. He started wearing a high-quality glue-on beard, a Gilligan hat, glasses, a plaid shirt, and a dark jacket. Think about this. He used money that he had previously robbed from a bank to buy that. Yeah, he did. Get up. 
During one of his last bank robberies, police spotted his truck on a camera outside of the bank. And they, like, went to his house, but not, like, went to his house. They just pretty much started following him to see if he was their guy. They did this for two weeks. Brett was going to rob his last bank, which was the TD Canada Trust. But people think he might have, like, felt the police watching him because he went inside and then quickly turned back around and came back out. But his dumbass was wearing his disguise, disguise. So he was arrested once he came back out of the bank. He pled guilty and waited seven months for his sentencing trial. And this really bothers me. But Justice Paul Robert Robertson cited in his sentencing report that Brett had a stellar background. He said, quote... He is a person who has integrity, who has given of himself to his community, who has given of himself to others, and who is truly a productive member of society. Kind of wish I could rob a bank and someone talk that highly of me. Robertson's conclusion was that the robberies were completely out of character for Brett. He sentenced him to five years in prison, but Brett was given time served and early parole in late 2010. So he didn't, I think he got arrested in 2008, 2009. So he didn't, I think he only served like a year, a year and a half, and got time served. Wow. Once Brett got out of prison, he filed for bankruptcy, which I don't know why he didn't just do in the first place instead of robbing banks. Especially since he wasn't using the money to pay off his debt anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Doesn't and, make any fucking sense. And he could have lived, he still could have lived off his parents and then used his really good paychecks to, I don't know, save for the $1,000 pair of jeans. It would take like, what, one and a half? I don't know. Not, so not only did, you know, he have to file bankruptcy, but he also now did not have a job because. Right. Well, he was in jail. He was in jail, and then when he got out of jail, his the company he worked for painting houses was like, mm, people don't want you in their house because you have a criminal background. Which is understandable. Yeah, it makes sense. So now I'm going to tell you about his family a little bit. His father, Bill, was a budget manager for the Toronto Star. He was described as quiet and health conscious. He taught fitness classes at the local community center. His mom, Sue, was a homemaker and a gardener. She's described as firm but bubbly, and she was a diehard baseball fan. Don't you think it's a bit ironic that his father is a budget manager yeah. for a company? Yeah. I didn't even think about it, but yeah, that's kind of crazy. irony there. Brett had three brothers. He was the third one born. Okay, so there's four brothers there's total. four He's boys total. He's number three. His oldest brother, Chris, was described as shy around strangers, but very silly with people he knew. His next brother was Leland. He was the artistic one, and... He liked to play guitar and drums, and he studied photography, and he also liked to restore vintage cabinets. 
He was two and a half years older than Brett. Very creative type. Now, the baby, his name was Alexander. He was six years younger than Brett. And the one that is described as being highly intelligent and a gifted student. Okay. Brett was the outgoing jock in the family, an extrovert in a family of introverts. He had bouts of depression. He wanted to be admired by people, not pitied. And his mom was, like, struggling once he got out of jail because she hated the fact that their neighbors were always gossiping about her family. She So she decided to sell their big house with this guest house and move to a much smaller house where nobody knew them. That makes sense. So, But now, instead of having his own little guest house to live in, he's now living inside the house. She spent the next six years turning her yard into an elaborate display garden. Sounds like a nice hobby. The family kept Brett's history a secret from their new neighbors. Things were okay when Brett first got out of prison. He started working towards his goal of being successful. Um, He got a job at a retail store, and his parents helped him financially so he could go back to college. And he re-enrolled at... U of T, which is the University of Toronto. He wanted to get a degree in biophysics. Dreaming big. He also started seeing a psychologist that told him that the best thing he could do is be more honest with the people around him and tell them what he was going through. Things started to look up for him even more in September of 2011 when his friend set him up on a blind date with a girl named Kristen Baxter. She was an athletic blonde. She lived the kind of life he wanted with a good job and a nice condo by the water. She loved adventure. She had like a Wheaton Terrier poodle mix. To him, she was living the dream. They were described as looking like the picture-perfect couple. She knew about his criminal past, but she fell in love with him anyway and never judged him for what he did. By January 2013, he had moved into her condo. It was located across the street from this, like, power plant gallery The condo was, like, in this huge building with lots of windows, but their actual condo itself was only 549 square feet. But they had, like, this amazing view of the lake. That's small. Yeah. But it sounds nice for two people. Everything was going great for them. They traveled together. They had, like, barbecues at their condo with their friends. They had pool parties in the indoor outdoor pool and then like a year of into them living together what hold up did you say indoor outdoor pool like it's both what meaning you just swim under a wall and then you're outside no way so it's like a half wall under the water i want one of those that sounds super cool can we airbnb a place with one of those (laughs) i'm pretty sure that Amanda's like for a pool I'm pretty sure that they have, like, bars at the bottom that lift up and down. That's super cool. All right. Sorry. Continue. A year into living together, Brett's father passed away. 
Brett stepped up to help his mother with some of the things his dad used to take care of. He also started doing odd jobs for her to make extra money. To me, I wouldn't charge my mom to just do odd jobs around her house. That's just me. I wouldn't do it either. No. Now, there is, like, a point where him and his brother are, like, helping her actually renovate some of her house. And she's also paying them for that. Also, wouldn't charge my mom for that. I mean, depending on the situation, it could have been similar. I had a situation like that in my early 20s. I was hard up for money. I asked my grandparents if they could help me out, and they said, well, we're not just going to give you money. Um, okay, but so we that, can put yes, you to work, I could see. You know, and so they put me to work, and they, I, anything they said they wanted done around their house, I would do it, and then they would just give me whatever they thought it was worth. I didn't go, hey, I'll do this for you for you know, X amount of money. See, that I could see. Like, if you went to them and asked for money for help and they were like, well, you can do these things, that makes sense. I wasn't looking at it that way. I was looking at it more like he's offering to do these things because his dad is gone and then he's expecting her to pay him for them. Right. If that's the situation, then that's kind of shitty. But if you're just hard up and you need some help and you say, hey, yeah. can you help me? And they're like, I'm not just going to give you some free shit. Right. So how about you do this stuff and I will pay you for that. All right, bet. Well, Brett needed all the money he could get because once again, he was financially in the gutter. The whole filing bankruptcy did not work out for very long. That didn't keep him from acquiring more debt? Nope. No. (laughs) I didn't think so. He's got expensive taste. That's what I was going to say. Typically, shopaholics stay... Shopaholics. That's like a therapy session. Like, you know what I'm saying? You need to go to therapy for things like that. He was in therapy. He was in therapy. I doubt that's what they were talking about. Who knows? (laughs) He had recently proposed to Kristen with a princess cut diamond that was surrounded by a halo of smaller diamonds, which, of course, he bought on credit. Mm hmm. Yeah. Again, facing mounting debt. Brett started to weave a web of lies to his family and to Kristen. You know what? I want to say something about this ring. Uh, If she loves you, she ain't going to care how much it costs, what it looks like. She ain't going to fucking care if she loves you. Don't go massively in debt for it. It's just an expectation that society has put on men and women. Half the time, just FYI, you're probably not even going to wear it. (laughs) I take mine off all the time when it's bothering me. I was just saying, because I've definitely had guys ask, they're like, is the amount you spend on the ring important? And I'm like, well, it is to some people. I go, you can't make a blanket statement. I said, and I quote, that's why I said, if, if she loves you, the price of the ring should not matter. All right. In 2015, he dropped out of school again. But instead of telling Kristen or his mom the truth, he kept it a secret. In the spring of 2016, things started to look up a little bit because he got a job with a Toronto tech firm. To him, it was a lucky break. Like so much so that he went out and celebrated with his family and Kristen, but it did not work out. Because his new employer found out about his criminal background a couple of days later, and they immediately fired him. 
Are they allowed to do that? Hire you before the background check comes? I am sure that it wasn't a full-blown hire. I'm sure it's like, oh, I'm sure what they said to him was, if your background check clears, then you have have the the job. job. But all he just heard was, you have the job. job. Yeah. I honestly don't know. Instead of doing the right thing and telling everyone what happened, he let them believe he still had the job. During all of this, him and Kristen were planning their wedding, which was supposed to take place on September 16, 2016. Their wedding was going to be elaborate. Well, that, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. With them paying $100 per person for plated dinner. That's insane. I don't know if that's normal for a wedding or not. But it's that's insane. Pretty it depends. average. It depends on what you're having catered and where you're having your reception at. A lot of that, the cost factors in on, there's a lot of variables. At the same time, they were also looking for a bigger house that they were like trying to move into like right after they got married. Even though Brett was relying on his mom like more and more for financial help sue was still bragging about him to everyone she knew brett was always trying to get her to pay him for jobs see that's what i'm saying like he was telling her like yeah i'll do that for you but you gotta pay me yeah see in that that's shitty but even with her help his situation was becoming more and more bleak yeah, because I'm sure his mother's not giving him an astronomical amount no. of money to do these odds and ends jobs. And he's just continuously racking up more debt out yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't pay more than $20 for you to mow my lawn, so. I mean, How whenever much? I was doing shit for my grandparents, it wasn't ever astronomical amounts of money. It was like, hey, go clean out the gutters. All right, here's 30 bucks. Sweet, thanks. That's exactly. what I, that's what I'm that's, saying. That's a full tank of gas. That that's well, what I'm time, getting you know, at. Ten years ago, that was a full tank of gas, but still, still a full tank of gas for me. After spending a year piling lies upon lies, a month before he was supposed to marry Kristen, he finally decided to tell his mom the truth about his life. He believed that if he came clean to her, she would fix his problems. Until he could find another job. But she wasn't having it this time. She wasn't going to bail him out. Again. Instead, she demanded that he tell Kristen the truth or she was going to. Alright. Right. Good on mama. Yeah, would have done the same thing. She flat out told him she was giving him no more money until he told the truth. Yeah, keep him honest. This was the absolute worst case scenario in Brett's head. Kristen might leave him, which would mean he would have to move back home with his mom and his brothers. And he did not want that to happen. So to him, he was not going to allow his mom to ruin his dream life. You know what this situation reminds me of? People not taking responsibility for their own fucking actions. You should probably start doing that. Yeah, Take responsibility well, for your actions. People don't like accountability. Sean. No, I don't. I understand <laughs> that, but you want to know what they other really don't. <laughs> you want to know what other people in your life like? You taking accountability for your actions. 
Yeah, well, in Brett's world, he decided that um, he was going to kill his mom. That seems like the plausible. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only answer. I mean, if you put him on a scale, you know, be accountable for my actions, kill my mother. Kill mom, really. Yeah. Win, it won out. I mean, won out. I mean, I don't think he thought the other one through. There was still a high possibility that Kristen is her name would still love him and be like, okay, well, we can work through this. Yeah, but I don't think he thought about it. No. Or he's looking at it from his own perspective. Like, if she did this to me, I'd fucking leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which then just makes him shallow as fuck. Right. Next, after he decided the his only way out here was to kill his mom, he went and bought a weapon. The problem was that he could not buy a gun because of his criminal history. So he decided to buy a used Barnett Recruit Youth 30 crossbow. It was the cheapest and lightest available to buy in Canada. It's designed for teenagers and had a range of 140 feet per second. Even though he was putting together a plan to kill Sue, he continued helping her with renovations on her house. While there, he stashed the crossbow in her garage. A month before his wedding, on August 16th, 2016, Brett went to great lengths to hide what he was about to do. First, he got up with Kristen and got ready like he was going to work. She left at 7.30 a.m. He then spent his morning building a device to help give him an alibi. He opened his laptop, put it against the wall. He then duct taped a wooden spoon to a black oscillating fan and placed it so the tip of the spoon lined up with the enter key on his laptop. The cord of the fan was plugged into a digital timer, so when the timer activated the fan, the spoon would hit the enter key, which would open YouTube, because that's where the cursor was put, is on the YouTube icon. Okay. He then took two more portable fans, plugged into digital timers, He screwed them into a wooden board and put it on the kitchen counter. He taped two styluses to the fan casings. He then screwed a smartphone and a tablet to another wooden board so the screens faced the fans. When the timer went off, the fans would turn and the styluses would tap the phone and tablet. Each would then send out pre-typed messages. So one would send out a message thanking a friend for a real estate tip, and the other was supposed to send out a message about home repairs. The timers were set at different times, so the messages would be sent out throughout the afternoon. It's a lot of work to create an alibi. Though it's kind of genius, it's kind of smart. Yeah, he thought it the I fuck do through, though. Applaud the thought process. I'm there. gonna risk showing my age here, but if he would have spent half the effort that he put into these, oh, most definitely, and figuring them out and all that, working on something positive, he he could have had he could have really had something. He could have really had money. Yeah, it's I agree. always the smart ones, man. I completely agree. 
he could have been putting all the time and energy into legitimately fixing his situation. After he did all of that, he set the devices up to make sure they would not go to sleep. His plan was to create a digital trail that would put him at home. Right. Now, this was an extremely hot day, but he put on two pairs of jeans and packed a bag with a disguise kit, including spare clothing, a wig, a bucket hat, and a broad head and the broadhead bolts for the crossbow. Okay, so he's essentially using his bank robber disguise. Yes. But for all of this to work, he had to get out of the condo without being seen on security cameras. So he had to take 14 flights of stairs. I'm assuming no cameras in the... In the stairwell. Which and doesn't make any sense. he went out in like the alleyway instead of the front way. And there was a camera in the alley, but he figured out a way to get out of the door without being seen on that camera. Gotcha. Once he was out of the building, he took the train and then walked 10 minutes to his mom's house. He got there around 10 a.m. Now, Sue was not supposed to be home that day. He didn't know that, but she had a cold, so she changed her plans. She was supposed to be going and hanging out with a friend, but she changed her plans at the last minute. What a shame. At first... He wanted to see if she would change her mind and help him, but she would not budge. Their argument turned so ugly that Sue got scared, so she called her oldest son, Chris, to come handle Brett. Brett decided that she was not going to listen to him, so he went walking towards the garage. Sue followed him, and because she followed him, he didn't have time to load the crossbow. Instead. He grabbed the broadhead bolt, which has, like, three sharp serrated blades on the tip, and stabbed her in the cheek and the ear. Ugh. Christ. Yikes. He wrestled her to the ground behind a pile of flooring. As she struggled, some of the flooring fell on top of her, which gave him time to get a yellow nylon rope and strangle her. I could not imagine doing that to my own mother. No. Couldn't imagine doing that to anybody. No, but like especially your mom. Yeah, no. After he killed his mother, he loaded the crossbow. He knew she had called Chris and he knew his brother was going to be there any minute. When Chris walked into the garage, Brett quietly stepped up behind his brother and fired the crossbow at close range. The bolt went through the back of his neck and lodged into his mouth. Chris died instantly. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd be surprised if he didn't because that would have severed his spinal cord. Yeah. Brett then dragged his brother's body and put him on top of his mother's dead body and covered them with a tarp. Before Brett could put on his disguise, his brother, Alexander, came home. He was exiting the garage and met Alexander on the walkway to the back door. The two got into a fight, and Brett stabbed his brother in the neck with the crossbow bolt. Alexander collapsed onto the driveway. During their struggle, his brother, Leland, 
who had been sleeping in his room this whole time, heard the fight and came to see what was happening. Seeing that Alexander was bleeding on the driveway, Leland ran inside to call 911, but Brett chased after him. What happened next was described as like a hellacious fight. They went all throughout the house. There was broken furniture, doors were smashed, and there was a trail of blood left in their wake. Leland suffered a head injury that was bleeding a lot. While the fight was happening, outside, Alexander was trying to crawl towards the street to get help. He made it to the front of the house when Leland came running outside with Brett not very far behind him. And Leland, like, ran for his life to the neighbors and begged them to call 911. Like, he was yelling at them, my brother's bleeding on the driveway, make sure the police come. And then he passed out in their living room. Holy shit. At this point, realizing he was fucking screwed, Brett just went back inside the house, got a bottle of water, then went and sat on the steps outside and calmly waited for the police. I mean, I don't see another option there. Like, you done fucked up. Yeah. So, like, all of that, all of that, because you're in debt. Yeah. All and you, just murdered and your you don't whole want fucking family. You don't want your fucking future wife to know well, that you're what? a piece of crap. Well, guess what? She just figured it out anyway. Yep. That's what. And now she knows you're a fucking murderer too. I. Even if you got away with this to the point where you would have gotten back to your condo, what if it would have came out later after she married you that you had killed your mom? Like, you really think she's just gonna be like? It's okay, dear. We're married now. Hell you have no. to be by your side. That's no. what I'm saying. Like he it's didn't like really think people it don't fucking think. They just well, go if he with was instinct. That willing to kill his mother? I'm sorry. If something were to happen later in their marriage, if they would have happened to get married, he would have more than likely killed her too. Mm-hmm. If she was gonna come out with his secrets of any like any kind. Yeah. yeah. True. Okay. Alexander was alive when the first officer arrived but he died before the paramedics got on the scene brett said to the police officer and this is a quote i should have driven him to the hospital the guys in the garage are dead crossbow to the head it was me yep too exhausted to continue the charade yeah When the police went to Kristen's condo, they found his devices all set up, and at first they thought they were bombs. So they called in a team and evacuated the building. The team unplugged the fans and determined his devices would have worked for their intended purpose if the rest of his plan would have worked. Brett pled guilty. He was convicted of second-degree murder for killing his mother. This was because he claimed that when he went to the garage to get the crossbow, he was just going to scare her. He wasn't actually going to kill her. And that's why I set up an alibi. And that's why I planted the crossbow there in the first Mm -hmm. place. And that's why I went for it. Yep. Yep. I wanted the alibi so people knew it wasn't me who scared my mom. I didn't threaten her. I wasn't even there. I was at home sending messages and watching YouTube. Yeah, you should have saw that. Mom. 
She just saw that cool she YouTube video. She was scared video. by some other son that she didn't have who looks exactly like me with my name. Oh, man. For Chris, he pleaded guilty to first-degree murder because in that situation, he laid in wait. And for Alexander, he was convicted of second-degree murder since he, since Alexander had shown up unexpectedly. They said that wasn't planned. I mean, it, wa- it, it that wasn't. That one technically it, wasn't planned. Right. It wasn't But planned. his mother was. Yes. At his sentencing hearing, Brett cried through his statement saying, I can only begin to say how sorry I am for what I've done. He's sorry he got caught. I'm sick with grief. Bullshit. Sick with it. He's sorry he got caught. That's all he's sorry about. Yeah, he's grieving his... The loss of his life. His His life. Yeah. This judge was just like his first during the bank robbery trial. He complimented Brett for his sincerity and willingness to be accountable for his deeds. He said Brett was a good man who had done something extraordinarily heinous. Yo, Canada, stop it. (laughs) He killed his family. I mean, you guys should probably start living with the mentality guilty till proven innocent. (laughs) The other way. Don't do that. Don't do no, that. I just meant uh, about like, uh, like personality types. Does it make sense? Not like actually like law. Like mm. when you're judging a person like they're. I still don't agree with it. Don't do that. <laughs> I do it all the time. I mean, I agree with it. Anyway, he s- said Brett had been caught in a web of lies and I have no hesitation that Mr. Ryan is remorseful for his actions. Caught in a web of lies implies that he stumbled upon this web yeah. of lies that was created by somebody else. Yeah. He created the web. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, the, the caught up in a web of lies, that's a love triangle where one person doesn't know that they're in the love triangle. Yeah, well, he was in a love triangle with money and Kristen. He sentenced Brett to three concurrent life sentences. Plus 10 years for the attempted murder of Leland. Like, let's think about that. If he would have only made it to the part of trying to kill Leland, he would have only had to spend 10 years in jail for attempted murder. That seems like bullshit. That seems a little light. Yeah, that's a little light. Like, you would think, like, 20, 25 years for attempted murder. Anyway, he will be eligible for parole in 2041. At the age of 60. At the time of the murders, Brett was 36. His mom was 66. Chris was 42. Alexander was 29. And Leland was 39. Brett took everyone away from his brother Leland and left him with depression and anxiety. He pretty much became afraid to leave his house. And he... Like did like Brett did all of this just because he was too afraid to tell Kristen the truth. But like you took away all these lives because you didn't want to tell the fucking truth. Makes a lot of sense. And that, my friends, is the case of the bank robber who was dubbed the fake beard bandit, who turned into the killer that the press called the crossbow killer. Ah dang. What a fucked up individual. What a moron. There's a whole lot of dumb. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, if you enjoyed our telling of the story, 
let us know. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us five stars. Share the episode. Share the show um, with family, friend, coworker, whoever. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Nope. No. All right. Well, we will see y'all back next week. Bye. 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 Bye.